The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife. And he knew her not till she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Welcome, Ambassador Baptist Church, to the very first sermon in our series, God With Us. Uh, You, as of right now, have perfect attendance, and so I'm proud of each and every one of you, and uh, we're looking forward to the next four weeks as we look at different characters in the Christmas narrative that went through some difficult circumstances and yet experienced God with them in the midst of those circumstances. Uh, This week, we're going to spend some time looking at the character of Joseph and Mary. Uh, Next week, we'll have the opportunity of looking at how God was with the shepherds um, and then with the wise men. I think it'll be just a help as we look to God's word to see how is God with these individuals in the midst of their lives and how is God with us in the midst of our lives. So today we're going to zone in on Mary and Joseph and we're looking forward uh, to speaking on the subject of God with us through our broken dreams. Uh, Here in this passage, uh, the Bible says in verse number 18 that Joseph and Mary, uh, they were engaged. But as you read throughout the passage, you'll find that not everything goes according to plan for them. Uh, It kind of reminds me of my own engagement story. Uh, I, this year, will have been married 14 years. And I remember when I had the opportunity of going to my father-in-law and asking him if I could marry Jenny. In fact, it was the very first time I ever met him. I got off an airplane, we went to a restaurant, I had met him a half hour before, and within a half an hour of meeting my future father-in-law, I was asking him if I could marry his daughter. And he was kind of like, well, I guess if she's cool with it, I'm cool with it. And I got, I got his permission literally within an hour of meeting him. So when I got back to California, a friend of mine and I decided that we were going to try to find the best place in California to get engaged. And I knew Jenny liked the beach, she liked the ocean, so I knew I was going to have to find somewhere on the ocean in order to get engaged. I knew that would be special for her. So after classes one day, and I was going to college in Southern California, after classes in the evening, uh, we made our way to the central coast, about Santa Barbara area, and I, we literally took a vehicle and we started driving to different spots along the Pacific coast. We were in Santa Barbara, then Ventura, we made our way down to Santa Monica. I was, I was just trying to find that perfect place, you know, to ask Jenny to marry me. It got late into the evening. It was about 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. I still hadn't found the right place as we were stopping at all these different places. And I came to a part of California in Southern California called Laguna Beach. I got to Laguna Beach and there was this hotel. It's called the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. And it was right on these cliffs uh, overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And at the edge of the cliffs, there was this huge, really nice gazebo. And I remember when I saw that gazebo on the cliffs there at Laguna Beach, I thought, that's it. You know, this is where I'm going to propose. It's going to be awesome. And so I started to plan uh, the whole day's event. So the way I scheduled it was I was going to take her to different spots. We were just going to have like a casual day, stopping at different places, taking pictures at the beach. And uh, then toward the evening time, just as the sun was getting ready to set over the Pacific Ocean, I'd have her there at that gazebo. And 
uh, that's where I was going to propose for her, to her. And so I wanted to make it really special, so I asked my brother, Micaiah, I said, hey, I want to get some pictures of this day, but I don't want her to know about it, so would you mind following us for the whole day and taking pictures of everything that's going on throughout the day. But I said it's really important that she doesn't know you're there. If she sees some, if she sees you, she'll know something's up. It'll ruin the surprise. It'll be horrible. I said she can't know that you're there. I said do whatever you got to do, but just make sure she doesn't find out. So the day came uh, when I was going to propose, and uh, we got in our vehicle started driving to di- these different spots that I had planned out. We were just going to have a kind of a day of it. And I remember the first time when we got out of the vehicle and uh, we were there at the beach milling around and I could see my brother. There he was behind some bushes and every time she'd turn around, he'd pop up, take a picture and then get ducked back down, you know. And so I'm just trying to get my composure because I I just didn't want her to see all this going on because I knew it would ruin the surprise. Well, (laughs) I, I didn't know this at the time, but later on as I was moving throughout the day, I realized that in order to stay in stealth mode, my brother, who also invited a friend with him to help him out, they decided to have different outfits for each of the different stops so they would look different each time. And so I remember one time we were driving in a car and I I look back and I see my brother and his friend and they got these big wigs on, like these big Afro wigs and they're bebopping, you know, in their car like this. And I'm just, I'm about to lose it, you know, because here they are. I'm like, what are they doing? You know, my uh, Jenny was like, what are you laughing about? I'm like, serious, it's nothing. I'll tell you about it later. You know, it was one of those type of things. We stopped at another part of the beach, and uh, sure enough, there's my brother and his friend, and they come running out in wetsuits with like a little boogie board, you know, taking pictures as they go along. It was just like the most, it was the funniest thing, because at each stop, they had the little costumes that they were going to wear and taking pictures. We got to one stop, and uh, we're, we're, you know, overlooking the ocean, and we're just kind of talking and things, (laughs) and this elderly lady comes up to us, and she's real concerned, and she's real worried, and she comes up, and she says, "Uh, I don't mean to startle you. Uh, but there are some people following you who are taking your pictures. And Jenny's just like, this is really strange. And this was her first time kind of out to California. California was new to her. And I was trying to think of something. I didn't want to ruin the surprise. I didn't want her to know what was going on. And so the only thing that came out of my mouth was, well, you know, paparazzi are really big in California. They're just everywhere. It's probably just paparazzi taking your picture. She's like, oh, okay, I, you know, whatever, you know. And so I was trying to play that off. And I saw the sun going down, so we raced over to Laguna Beach. And I think I underestimated what a long hike it would be to the top of those cliffs to where the gazebo was. And I noticed, man, the sun's going down, and it's starting to go down really fast. And I'm just kind of thinking to myself, I've got to get up here. So we kind of came to this point where we stopped strolling, and I'm kind of like dragging Jenny, you know, up the hill. We got to get to the top. She's like, No, we just, you know, we'll just take our time. I was like, No, we can't take our time. We got to get to the top. And so we get to the top, and I kind of had missed the sunset. The sunset kind of missed the horizon, but it was still somewhat a little bit light out there and uh, she turned around and when she uh, turned back around I was on one knee and I said hey Jenny will you marry me and of course she said yes and the rest is history and it was uh, it was an awesome experience so what I wanted to do is at our wedding I was going to take all those pictures and give it to her as a wedding gift and so I if you remember back in the day when you took pictures, you couldn't just have them digitally. Uh, they used to come on these rolls of film. How many of you remember rolls of film? And you had to take those to Walgreens or Walmart. You had to take your roll of film and leave it there for like, what it was like, three months. And then three months later, they did some magic on it. And then you'd get these pictures. You know, it's like, it's so archaic now to think about it that way. But that's what, that's what we did. So I took those rolls of film and I put them into my glove box. 
box in my car, and I was just waiting for a time where I would be uh, at Walmart or something so I could get those developed in time for our wedding. Well, one morning I woke up, I went out to my car, and my car is gone. Sure enough, my car had been stolen, and I was just heartbroken, not because my car had been stolen, but because those pictures, that film, were in the glove box. And to this day, somebody out there is enjoying pictures, you know, of my wife and I at our engagement. We never did get them. We never found them. And that engagement didn't quite go according to plan for me. But I will say this, there's some other folks, especially as we see here in Scripture, and uh, things didn't go quite according to plan for them. Have you ever had a time in your life where things didn't go the way you had hoped? Maybe it's a little funny story like the one I just told, or maybe it was something a little bit more serious. Uh, Maybe you were engaged and you just knew that your marriage was going to go a particular way. You just knew it. Maybe you got a job at a particular place and and you just knew for a fact this was it. This was going to be your big break. It's going to be this job. You were starting a business. Uh, maybe it's when you had kids. You, you just knew the type of family you were going to raise and, and you knew the type of the way your kids were going to turn out and, and you had these hopes and you had these dreams for your family, for your marriage. You had these hopes and dreams you know, for your career or for your health. And Have you ever had a time where things didn't quite turn out the way you hoped. Here's our theme for this morning that we'll see fleshed out from Matthew chapter 1, and that's simply this. Enjoying God's presence in the midst of trials is actually better than experiencing our plans in the midst of triumph. Now, I realize at first glance, a statement like this doesn't really make sense. I realize at first glance, most of us are sitting here thinking, no, I'd much rather be experiencing my plans being successful and my plans going according to the way I want. That would be a whole lot more fun than just having God's presence in the midst of hard times. But as we're going to see in this passage, as we're going to see it fleshed out, we will find that enjoying God's presence in the midst of trials is actually better than experiencing our plans in the midst of triumph. Let's just dive into our text. We're going to march our way through this passage, and I hope we'll learn something from God's word here today. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. This is how the birth of Jesus came to be. When his mother Mary, notice this, was espoused or was engaged to Joseph. We'll just stop there for a moment. This is what Mary and Joseph had been literally dreaming about. You can imagine Mary as a young girl dreaming about the time where she would fall in love, where she would be engaged and somebody would ask for her hand in marriage. You can only imagine that there were times where Mary would dream about, you know, being married and, and, and raising a family and living happily ever after. You can only imagine that this was what they had hoped for. This is what she had been dreaming about. And now it was finally happening. She was engaged. And and many of you have had experiences where finally it seemed like that thing was coming together. Maybe for you it was the day you got engaged and you thought, this is it. My life is going to be perfect. Maybe it was the day you got married and you thought, man, I'm going to have the best marriage in the world. And maybe for some others it was the day you got that job and you thought, now that I got this job, everything's going to work out. Finances are going to come together. I'll be able to get the home we've always dreamed of. This is our big break. And, And we've all had times where we thought, this is it. Maybe it was with your health or maybe with finances or maybe in some other area of your life. And you're like, this, this is it. 
And we get these dreams, we get these hopes, we get this, these ideas about the way our life is supposed to be and, and the way our life is supposed to come together. But I, I want to I remind you of this today. Often, what messes you and I up more than about anything else is that picture-perfect idea that we have in our heads about how our lives was supposed to turn out. You see, we had expectations about the way our marriage would be. We had expectations about the way our kids would turn out. What they would be, what they would not be. We have expectations about the promotions our our boss was going to give us and how our careers were going to unfold. And we had all these plans about our health and and, and what was supposed to happen in the lives of our kids and our, and our grandkids. And we, we all have these ideas and we all have these expectations. We have these hopes and we have these dreams. And oftentimes what messes us up more than anything else is those perfect picture ideas of the way life is supposed to work. And then they don't. And I want to remind you today, as we're going to see in this passage, that life doesn't always have to be perfect in order for it to be beautiful. And that's what we're going to see from this passage today. So let's just keep reading the end of verse number 18. The Bible says, before Mary and Joseph came together, that that is, you know, before they had intimate relations, the Bible says here, before this... She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Now, here's what I want you to see. This was not part of Joseph's plan. When Joseph asked for Mary's hand in marriage, this was not the way he envisioned this thing turning out. You see, when you and I read these stories in the Bible, we we tend to kind of spiritualize them a little bit because we know the end of the story. We know how it all turns out. And so when we read these stories, we just get visions, you know, of Christmas trees and Christmas carols and angels and mangers. And we get this very uh, perfect picture of what this story is really about. But in the messy middle of all that's going on here, it got really, really strange. Put yourself, guys, for a moment in Joseph's shoes. One day your fiancé comes to you and says, hey, I have something to tell you. Um, I'm pregnant, and you're not the father. Imagine how that conversation would have gone down for you. Could you imagine the first thing that would have started popping into your head? Man, the heartbreak that starts to settle in, the shock, the confusion. That's exactly what's taking place here. Joseph is like perplexed, he's confused, Mary is having a child, he knows it's not his child, and, and then she says, oh, but, 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 but by the way, um, it's okay because the child belongs to the Holy Ghost. You say, well, of course, we know the rest of the story, that's exactly what happened, but you've got to understand, Joseph didn't fully believe it. You say, how do you know Joseph didn't believe it? Because he was minded to put her away. 
he was going to write a letter of divorcement for her. You see, Joseph didn't kind of go along with this thing. He, this, he was like, oh, okay, Mary, if, if that's what you say. But deep down, he, the, he, was just, he was confused. He was thinking about, what am I supposed to do now? Have you ever been in a situation where life wasn't turning out the way you had planned? Where your dreams weren't coming together the way you had hoped? Where it felt like literally your life was coming unraveled at the seams and you were so confused about what you were supposed to do. You were so perplexed. You, you would think about it and think about it. You, you had these people here telling you this and you have those people over there telling you that. And this is where Joseph finds himself. And, and the Bible says as he's thinking on these things, uh, verse number 20, he just doesn't know what to do. You see, we know this story from hindsight being 2020, but when, you, when, when Joseph was in the messy middle of this, he was just confused. He was perplexed. He was stressed out because life, this was not going the way he had planned. This is not the way his engagement was supposed to go down. And, and he doesn't know what to do. Psalms chapter number 62 verse 8 says it this way. Trust in the Lord. Trust in Him Notice this, in all times. When life makes sense, just trust him. When life doesn't make sense, trust him. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. Can I remind you, in times of perplexity, in times of confusion, when your dreams are not coming together the way you had hoped, when life isn't turning out the way you thought it should turn out, I want to remind you, you can pour out your heart to the Lord. God wants to hear you vent. It's a healthy thing. Why? Because God is a refuge for us. You can try to pour out your heart to this individual or that individual, and it might make you feel a little bit better, but it can't be a refuge for you. The Bible says when you pour out your heart to God, and you talk to God, and you trust Him, you pour out your soul to Him, He is a refuge for you. My friend, genuine faith, real faith, is trusting that God has a purpose for everything that's happening in your life even when you don't know why it's happening. When, when your life is falling apart and your dreams are coming unraveled and your hopes are being shattered, genuine faith means trusting God even when you don't know why it's happening. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why is this happening to my health? Why is that happening to my finances? Why is this happening to my children, my grandchildren? Genuine faith is trusting God has a purpose for everything happening in life, even when we don't know why it's happening. Let's keep reading verse number 20. The Bible says, but while Joseph thought on these things, he's like, what do I do? Mary tells me she's pregnant. I know I'm not the father. She's claiming that it's the child of the Holy Ghost. He's thinking about what he's supposed to do. He's a little bit confused. He's perplexed. This is not the way his life was supposed to go. And he's just thinking about this. Have you ever been there before where something bad happens and, and you're just trying, you're trying to figure it all out in your mind and it's like a broken record going over and over and over in your head. You're like, why did this happen? Why did this happen? What am I supposed to do? And, and you just, it, there's no answers. You're just, you're just perplexed. You're just confused. And he's Thinking on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, 
fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Notice this. It says, this angel appeared to him in a dream. Now, I want you to see what's happening here. In essence, God is allowing Joseph's old dream to die. He had this dream about the way his life was going to turn out. He had this dream about the way his engagement would work out. He had a dream about when he did have kids, this is how it's going to happen. And God literally allows his old dream to die. And in its place, God gives Joseph a new dream. He says, hey, your life, Joseph, is not going to turn out quite the way you thought it was. I know this is not what you had written in your planner. And so he gives Joseph a new plan. And I want to say to you today, there are times where God comes into your life. He invades your dreams. He invades your hopes. And in essence, he pulls away those old dreams, those old hopes, those plans you had for your life, those ideas of the way you thought your life would play out. And he takes them away. And in its place, he wants to give you a new dream, a different dream. Different plans. And and I'm going to remind you of this. This is one of the hardest things you'll ever have to face. When you had plans and dreams about the way your marriage was going to unfold. And all of a sudden, God in his sovereignty starts to take that away. One of the hardest things in the world is when you just knew this is how your life was going to unfold with your kids. With your grandkids. And God starts to take that dream away. It's a hard, hard thing when life doesn't go the way you planned. When your dreams don't come to fruition. And and I know many of you in this room, and as I look out across this auditorium, I realize that there are a lot of you here today, and you find yourself in the middle of something, and your life is not going the way you thought it should go. You are experiencing circumstances and situations and trials, and it's not what you had in mind when this whole thing started. This was not the way marriage, this was not the way my family, this was not the way my my career was supposed to turn out, and you've had your hopes dashed and your dreams shattered, and now you're just left with this empty, confusing perplexity. You're stressed out. You don't know what to do next. Often this is how God works in our lives. You see, before God gives us a new dream, often he takes away the old one. Not because the old dream was bad. Not because the old dream was wicked. Not because the old dream was a horrible thing. But it was simply taking the place of a better dream. God's dream. I've had this happen in my life on several occasions certain arenas of my life where I was like, I just knew this is what my life was going to look like. This is how my life was going to unfold. And then God came along and shattered that dream. And for a moment, you're standing there just confused. Like, God, what are you doing? I know many of you have been in that place where some area of your life just got shattered. God began to take your plans, your ideas, your dreams, and he began to 
pull them away. And you're like, God, what do I do now? Notice verse number 21. The angel says, Mary shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Do you know why God often will take away old dreams and old plans and old ambitions? Because he wants to give you a better dream. He has a destiny for your life. And in order to make room for his destiny, for his dreams and his plans, you have to hold on to your plans very, very lightly. Colossians 1 verse 18 says this, that in all things Christ might have the preeminence. Does Christ have preeminence over your dreams? Or are you one of these that say, no, I love Christ, I want God, but I also want God to give me my dreams. I want things to work out the way I thought they were going to work out. Or are you allowing Christ to have the preeminence and you very humbly say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing it. But God, you can have control. You're the one who is preeminent. I give you total reign over my life. I want to encourage you with this. Be willing to surrender the life you had planned so you can experience the life that God has destined for you. One of the biggest reasons why people don't experience the fullness of all that their life is capable of, the reason that some people don't experience life and life more abundantly, you want to know why? Because they are holding on so tightly. They are clinging on so tightly in their soul and in their heart, clinging on to what they wish would have been. And in their mind and in their heart, they can't let go of those broken dreams. They can't let go of those shattered hopes. And they hold on so tightly that they're never able to experience the abundant life that God has available to them because they're too busy holding on to the past that they don't have a place to reach out to what God has for their future. Be willing to surrender the life you had planned so you can experience the life that God has destined for you. Notice verse number 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, so why did the angel appear? Why was this Messiah coming? Well, the prophet had prophesied, they had declared, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name, notice this, Emmanuel. Which being interpreted, what what does Emmanuel mean? It means this, God with us. God didn't give Joseph his picture perfect plan for his life. God got involved and messed it up a little bit from Joseph's perspective. That's why Joseph is confused. That's why Joseph is perplexed. That's why he's got to think, that's why he's thinking about putting her away because this was not going the way he thought it should go. But I want to remind you what Joseph got in its place was he got to experience Emmanuel. And God comes along and says, Emmanuel, God with you is better 
than you experiencing your life going the way you planned. See, for some of us here, honestly, at the end of the day, all we want is life to go our way. We have these dreams for our business. We have these dreams for our marriage. We have dreams about our kids. And honestly, we just want a God who will make everything turn out the way we want it to turn out. And I'm going to say this, that's not the way God works. God is not your cosmic genie in the sky here to give you your every wish and whim. God is God. And while he does work all things together for good, very rarely does that fit perfectly into your life planner. And we see in this passage here, he says, oh, Emmanuel, he gets Emmanuel, God with us. You see, Joseph got to experience something even better than his plans and his dreams coming true. He got to experience the presence of God. You see, God's presence is where love is at. The Bible says in 1 John, God is love. There are too many people trying to experience love without experiencing God. But when you experience the presence of God, you in essence experience love. God is love. People want to experience peace apart from Christ. And yet the Bible tells us that Christ is the prince of peace. Peace is not just something Christ gives. Peace is something Christ is. And so in order to experience peace, you have to experience the presence of Christ. There is no differentiation between experiencing Christ and experiencing peace. There is no difference between experiencing God and experiencing love. We live in a world that wants to just divide these two things and say it's one thing here and one thing there. No, to experience the presence of Christ is to experience love. To experience the presence of God is to experience peace. They are one and the same. And that's why we can say to experience God in trial is better than enjoying your plans in triumph. Because at the end of the day, let's just be real, what you think you want is life to turn out your way. You think you want circumstances to go a certain way. You, you, what you think you want is, is that promotion. What you think you want is that marriage that has no challenges, no difficulty. What you think you want is kids that always are exactly what you want them to be. You, what you think you want is circumstances and situations to go exactly how you want them to go. But I'm, I'm going to bust the bubble on this one. You know what you really want? What you really want is joy. What you really want is to be happy. What you really want is a peace that passeth understanding. What you really want is to be loved. At the end of the day, what your heart actually craves for is love and joy and peace. And you've convinced yourself that in order to get those things, I need my marriage to look like this, and I need my uh, you know, career to look like that, and I need my health to look like this. And you put all these expectations, you put all these conditions on what you think you need in order to experience love and joy and peace and all this that's a part of the abundant life. And, and Christ comes along and says this, no. All you need is my presence because his presence is where peace is at. His presence is where joy is at. His presence is where love is really found. You don't need Jesus plus everything going your way. 
You don't need Jesus plus your dreams coming true. You don't need Jesus plus your plans going exactly how you are. Jesus plus a perfect marriage or Jesus plus perfect kids or Jesus plus perfect career. Jesus is enough. Because in Jesus is everything you really need for life and godliness. And as long as you keep putting conditions on what you need in order to experience, as long as you keep holding on to your old dreams, you're going to continually miss out on all that God has for you. So I want to encourage you with this as we kind of wrap it up today. I want to encourage you to surrender your old dreams. Surrender to your old dreams. And then I want you to do what we see here in verse 24. And so Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. He surrendered his old dream and he submitted to the new dream. He let God be God. He didn't understand it. He didn't know why it was happening. But instead of resisting it, instead of resisting God's new dream and holding on to the old dream, he let God be God. He surrendered the old dream. He submitted to the new dream and he got to experience some awesome things. Think about it. Mary got to watch as, as Jesus grew up. Literally, they got, to, they got to grow up around this promised Messiah. She got to watch as miracles were done, as the sick were healed and the blind were able to see. They got a front row seat to the God of the universe unfolding the story of redemption. They got to experience God in the flesh. That's pretty awesome. But only because Joseph was willing to do as the angel of the Lord had asked. Surrender the old dream and submit to the new. So here's my question for you. What are you resisting? What new dream? God's trying to do a new thing in your life and you're resisting it because you don't like it. And you're, you're clinging. You're holding on to an old thing. And you're just stressed out you're confused, and you're perplexed. What is it that God just wants you to say, I give up, I surrender this. I don't know why, I don't know how, but I trust that all things work together for good to them that love God. What is it that he's asking you to surrender? What old dream, old plans, all old hopes, things that you just, they happened and you just can't get over them. And what new dream that God's working in your life and he's developing in your heart, thing that he's pushing you toward that you just need to submit to? That's the question. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.